Hey, Night Owls. Welcome to episode 17 of Isn't It Past Your Bedtime. I'm Rachel. And I'm Krista. And this week, we let some of our friends help us pick a book, basically. We're doing a blind date with a book. The best kind of blind date, I think. I I love it. I mean, no yeah. one wants to go on a blind date with a person. That just sounds awkward. But with a book, I mean, there's not a lot of disappointment. Yeah. And worst case, you just close it and move on and nobody yeah. feels, like, upset. It's great. No <laughs> one's feelings are hurt except maybe your friend who picked the book. <laughs> well, you can just lie to them, right? They don't need to know that you didn't ever finish the book. I promise I try really hard not to lie to my friends. <laughs> well, yeah, but I mean, you could I guess like, the white lie in, in, yeah. in their feelings. Okay. Yeah, you could just be like, oh, I like it so far. <laughs> so far, so good. And then, I have a quick oh, finish. And then take I hope they never <laughs> ask again. It's fine. Yeah, right. Totally. Well, yeah. on the upside, I don't have to lie to my friend. And I did very much enjoy the book. That oh, was good. picked for me. So um, I think I, we, I gave her, I told her to give me two, basically. Mm-hmm. So I think I will read you the descriptions that I was given, yeah. and then I'll tell you which one I picked. Okay. I like it. Okay. So the first one, wait, did we give the readers all of the synopsis of how we did this? We asked them for a short description, right? I don't know if we told them. Yeah. So basically, like, we each explained. picked a friend who is also a big reader like we are, and we're just like, hey, pick, like, at least for me, I was like, pick a book that you think I would like mm-hmm. and just kind of give me like maybe two to three sentences and explain it. And then I'll pick which one I like. Yep. Yeah. That's okay. basically it. Thank you. There's yep. a synopsis. I was like, wait, I don't know if we explained to them the process of how we went through our selection. So this yeah. will make much more sense with context. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. So uh, the first short little description I was given is the circus arrived without warning. Beyond the smoke and mirrors of show business, a fierce competition is underway. Two illusionists, trained since birth, compete in a game, in quotes, which unbeknownst to them, only one can be left standing. Oh. Oh. I like so the that was my twist at the end. One, right? Yeah. I was like intrigued. Okay. And then the second one says behind the scenes of St. Mary's Institute of Historic Research, a different kind of academic work is taking place. Just don't call it time travel, in quotes. Hmm, interesting. These historians instead instead investigate major historical events in contemporary time. So I was like, oh, that's kind of like Doctor Who-y, like sci-fi-y maybe? Wonder if the, or like the, did you ever watch the, like, the librarian? librarian? Yeah. That's kind of what I thought maybe it would be. Um, but I'm a sucker for uh, an illusionist <laughs> and a circus. So I definitely picked number one. I also knew that this friend knew that I was interested in the book night circus oh there we go yeah by aaron morgan stern so i knew that this friend knew i had an interest in this book so i was hoping that that would be it yeah (laughs) to be fair i did have kind of an idea of what it might be but i did i did pick it based off the description the best as i could (laughs) yeah i mean just because it's something that you were thinking about reading and yeah it works yeah yeah Exactly. So that is the book that I picked. Do you want to tell your book or do you want me to just go into it and we'll get to yours? Uh, you can just go into it and then I'll do all mine. We'll go with you. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I wasn't sure if you wanted to leave with the description or not. No, I'll save mine. Okay. All right. I'm ready for it. Okay. So I ended up um, actually buying this book, like a physical copy, and then struggling really hard because I have too much going on in my life right now and need to multitask at all times. So like sitting down to just like read, I'm just like, I'm enjoying this book, but I also have about a thousand other things to do. And it's very distracting for my brain to have to think about other things while trying to read this book. And then it stresses me out because I'm like, I should be doing something productive, but this is productive. Yeah. It's a mess. So about Mm, a third of the way through, maybe a quarter of the way through, <laughs> I, sw- I switched and I turned my Audible um, back on because it was cheaper to buy it with the Audible subscription because mm-hmm. my credit was 15 and the book was like 21 or whatever. So um, I did end up finishing it via audiobook, which is great. And even better, I listened to it on one and a half speed. Nice. Oh, I love one and a half speed. Yes. Oh my God. I've never done this before. What? Oh, it's it's nice. Not all authors are good at one and a half, I have found, but I've listened to mm-hmm. one book at uh, two times. I just oh, wow. wanted to... That sounds like crazy. Yeah, but it worked because that person, they paused a lot. 
between mm. every sentence. So yeah, this person has kind of a slow cadence too. So like yeah. it worked out okay. Cause I just felt like, I mean, it's like a 13 plus hour audiobook. Oh, wow. Like it's very long. And like, I really like this narrator too. So the narrator is Jim Dale and he's actually a narrator for a show that I really liked called Pushing Daisies. Oh, okay. I think, yeah. Yeah. So Pushing Daisies. <laughs> was a great show and I just lo- I always thought this guy's voice was really epic so like as soon as I turned on the audiobook I was like yeah I'm gonna be here for this like yeah. 13 like, hours is fine this voice um but yeah he has, has kind of a slow cadence so I felt like going the faster pace was honestly totally fine um but basically what the night circus is is I mean pretty much Susie did a really good job honestly on that little short so I'm gonna have to spread that around um yeah I'm like, where to even start? So basically this circus is created to be the venue of a competition between two like magician illusionist people who've been training for this competition. So basically like how this begins is that there is a uh, enchanter guy who like does real magic. Mm-hmm. Like that's just what he does. Like he travels around, I think it's like late 1800s to early 1900s. So like illusionists are really big it's still um so this enchanter prospero the enchanter i believe is his name finds out that he has a daughter and his daughter has all of these like innate magical skills because she's his child right and so after he realizes that she has these skills he calls an old friend of his who mostly gets referred to as the man in the gray suit but his name is alexander and i guess that for years I don't know if these dudes age or what, but they've done it a lot. <laughs> so they must not age. There's a lot, there's a lot going on here. Um, <clears throat> so he calls his friend and was like, I have a real contender. Like, let's do another competition. And he's like, okay, sure. But like, you know that like you could lose her mm-hmm. because it's a competition to the death. Yeah. Like someone wins and someone loses, like really loses. Yeah. You lose hard. So, and they go for a really long time. Like apparently there was a previous competition that went on for 37 years. Holy shit. Yeah. So, um, basically Prospero was like, yeah, like I'm willing to bet on it. Like she's obviously like, she's my child. Like she's doing a great job. Like this is with very few lessons. And he like makes her like display a few of her, like, I don't know, like tricks that he's been teaching her. Cause at this point she's like five. She's little. Um, and, uh, Alexander, the man in the gray suit was like, all right, fine, let's do it. And so they put this ring on her finger that like cuts into her hand and like burns her and leaves a scar. So it's like, it's like the unbreakable curse or whatever, the uh, vow from, um, Harry Potter. It's kind of like that, like that kind of concept. And she's five. So she doesn't get any say in this. She has zero say. Wow. So she basically has the rest of her life up until the competition starts, which they, it starts at an indeterminate amount of time. Oh, There's lovely. No, like, start day. So like, <laughs> yeah. So he trains her for years, but basically Alexander and Prospero have very different ways of raising their magicians or their illusionists where, um, like, uh, Alexander ended up getting like a boy from an orphanage essentially. And he was young too, probably close ish to the girl's age. So the girl is Celia and the boy is Marco. Um, so Marco gets adopted by the man in the gray suit after he, uh, like agrees to start this competition. And I don't know exactly what the criteria was for selecting Marco over other boys in the orphanage. And Marco's not even sure. He's just like, it was in indeterminate criteria. He like asked me to do weird stuff. He would like throw stuff at him and like, see if he would react. Like, so there was something he was looking for specifically, like some innate skill. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, so Alexander raises Marco like heavily in knowledge and like, he goes to tons of universities and like, he just learns everything. Like, but they don't really directly do a lot of magic and they definitely don't do it in public. Okay. Like, and that's not something he even really introduces him to until he's like in his mid teens, at least. So all this time, he's not really sure what he's studying for, what he's training for. He just knows that there's some sort of competition and this man is preparing him. So he just kind of goes along with it. Right. Well, Celia's training is very different. (laughs) Her father is horrible. Like he wants her to be able to like heal herself, but 
healing like the human body is really challenging to do because you have to like know how it works from the inside. Yeah. Right. And to be able to put those pieces back together properly. And so like, he was horrible. He would do stuff like peel up each of her fingernails one at a time and make her heal them over and over again. Oh, that's gross. Horrible. Like he would, he would like slice her arm open so that she would have to heal it Mm -hmm. like so it was like pretty torturous so she had a horrible childhood yeah um but they're both preparing for the same thing which is probably the point like two different approaches to raising the ultimate illusionist or whatever yeah um apparently in the past uh prospero has had uh competitors just like drop out like choose to die basically um because they can't really leave so like there are a few times that celia like wants to leave the circus and not be part of this competition anymore once they kind of realize what's happening and um because they're not aware it's to the death yeah like marco they- and celia are not aware Fuck. and so like when it kicks off like marco immediately realizes who celia is because marco's role is he's like the assistant to the man who's in charge of the circus who is not alexander alexander basically like gets this patsy who's like <laughs> <laughs> he's like yeah you're gonna make this this circus and Marco's going to run it with you, but basically so that Marco can like control the circus. And so mm. with the circus being the venue, they use their skills to manipulate the circus and like add new tents and all this stuff. And so Marco, because he's in charge of the circus is like auditioning for the illusionists and the contortionists and all of the acts. And so as soon as he meets Celia, he knows that that's who he's, he's going to be. Yeah. Okay. Right. But he plays himself off as, like, an accountant, and he uses, like, a glamour on himself, so he appears a little older and, like, not really who he is, and so she has no idea who her competitor is. So there are some people at the circus who are aware that there's a competition going on, but for the most part, all of the other performers and everything are just, like, completely ignorant, Mm -hmm. which is crazy. So once the circus... Um, basically like opening night happens, right? The competition is officially begun, essentially. Okay. Um, and when they did so, Marco lit this like bonfire in the middle of the circus as kind of like a way for him to control the circus. Like the, the bonfire never goes out, but he like gets to maintain control of the space. Hmm. Essentially. It's like okay. how he manipulates it. It's like a touchstone for the area. A magic thing. Sure. Yeah, magic shit. Yeah, I'll take it. I'll accept it. (laughs) Exactly. There's a bonfire. And once the bonfire is lit and the competition begins, like this weird like feeling settles over the entire circus. And there's a woman who goes into labor and gives birth to twins who end up with these weird magic-y powers. Mm -hmm. And then after the circus begins, everyone who is part of the circus stops aging. No more babies are born. Nobody ever gets sick. Is it forever? Because, I mean, maybe I want to be a part. Until the competition's over. Hmm. I mean, if this one's 37 years and I don't have to age. I guess here's to hoping that you weren't 92 at the start of it, though. Right? Yeah, I know, right? That would be rough. You want to be in your prime when this starts. Right. But basically, he was trying to just, like, protect everybody from, like, any, you know, unforeseen ramifications or, like, weird stuff happening. And, like, he wants to keep the circus going. I don't really think he intended the whole, like, no aging thing to happen. I think there was a lot of, like, unintentional things that occurred as side effects of living in this giant magical space, basically. Yeah. I mean, he's young, youngish. He doesn't know his magic very well. So, yeah, I think, I think when the circus kicks off, they're probably uh let's see they're like 19 20 somewhere in there yeah so he doesn't know super well it makes total sense that he could have accidental magic stuff yeah so like stuff happens um he has this like love interest isabel who ends up being like a fortune teller for the circus because like that's how they meet or whatever she's like oh i tell fortunes and then they like have like a little romance thing because he's super lonely Mm because he spent his entire life being you know pulled into a book yeah bouquets i mean at least you gotta learn and not be tortured yeah yeah so like he ends up like kind of stringing her along and bringing her into the night circus but like when uh isabel reads his cards she can like tell that like there's going to be another woman and so she starts being suspicious of the competitor celia Mm. being competition for her but they like spend years of like isabel and marco like being together but not really being together like they just they don't really explain their relationship a ton other than like she thought he was in love with her i guess and he just like wasn't he just was around like it just kind of was for him but like 
Celia and Marco, of course, end up being in love with each other. Oh, like yeah. Like you do. Because, you know, they've got, like, the matching scars, like, because he had to have one, too, put on his hand. So, like, as soon as he was adopted, he had that happen. So, um, I mean, there's actually, like, a lot, like, on the side that's also happening. It's um, kind of crazy. <laughs> it's a circus. <laughs> yeah. There's so much going on at all times. And okay. it's supposed to be a little bit, like, confusing. And there's just, there's so much going on. Because, like, these magical twins have like met this boy in a town, um, Bailey, which I think is funny. I was like, like Barnum and Bailey. Like, <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> that was my first thought. Um, so like these magic twins, uh, they're kind of like fortune tellery. Basically like the girl can like read the stars and the boy can like see your past on you. Oh, all right. Like he says that it's like apparent on most people unless you're able to like hide it. And I was like, okay, that makes sense. So they're just like good at interpreting things, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, but they meet this boy, Bailey, who had like snuck into the circus one night when it was in his town years before. And he had met the girl, Poppy. No, Poppet. That's it. I was like, what is it? It's not Poppy. Poppet. <laughs> okay. Penelope slash Poppet. Poppet. Poppet and but, Widget. Oh my, no, it is not. <laughs> it's Poppet and Widget. Yeah. Her brother's <laughs> Widget. It's crazy. I love it though. Oh, um, so Poppet meets him the first time that they're in town, but then the, the circus is gone and his family never let him go because they thought he was like too young to go to this night circus because it's only open at night. So like it just like appears out of nowhere. It's only open at night. It's totally dead during the day. Um, and so when the circus comes back around to his town again, Bailey is able to go because he's old enough now. And he goes immediately looking for Poppet, basically. <laughs> he's like, I want to find that redhead girl. <laughs> I get it. Like. Um, so he ends up like meeting the fortune teller. And when she meets him, Isabel meets Bailey. She's like, huh, like you have a role here and we have, um, like a joint acquaintance. Like, and he's like, okay. She's like, yeah, you're looking for Poppet. Go that way. And she just like points him in the right direction. And he's like, <laughs> okay. <laughs> so he ends up like becoming like pretty good friends with Poppet and Widget this time around. Um, and Poppet and Widget basically are like, I don't really know exactly how, but I know that you belong here. And so when the circus is going to leave, finally, they like ask him to come. And so he has to like decide what he wants to do because at this, up until this point, his choices were like, his grandma wants him to go to Harvard or his family wants him to take over his family farm. Um, So basically Bailey is, you know, I think at this point he's like maybe 16 years old. So he's Mm -hmm. a teenage boy given a third opportunity to do something different with his life than the two options his family has presented with him as being your only choices. You know how that goes. Mm -hmm. Your family's like, you do A, you do B. And he's like, oh my God, here's option C. I didn't know I had another choice. With a beautiful girl who's like (laughs) magic-ish. I mean, can you blame him? I think I know what he picks. (laughs) Exactly. So that's happening while the competition is going on. And the competition is basically stuff like... Celia adds a new tent that has, like, it's like an ice garden, and then Marco makes the Ferris wheel bigger, and then they work together, but they don't know that they're working together because there's, like, somebody who knows that there's a competition going on, but Mm -hmm. Celia doesn't know who Marco is yet, who, like, helps them coordinate their magic without actually knowing that the Hmm. person's doing it. It's, like, it's super complicated, and, like, her dad isn't really around, but he's, like, a ghost kind of right now. He tried to, like – he did a trick, basically, that went bad. Oh, okay. And so he's, like, invisible-ish. Uh-huh. He, he ghosted like, can't himself. hold a solid form. He can't hold a solid form. He basically was, like, afraid to die. Like, he was afraid of aging and dying. So he so tried, he tried to, to, like, to, basically take his soul out of his body to exist in our world without the physical plane. And so that's going to end like, up terribly. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, never goes, never goes well. No, I don't see it ever going well. Right, and um, some of the performers start to kind of like figure out that like something's weirds going on here. Like, I don't know why I don't, I don't age. Um, one of them does start kind of seeking answers, and she gets killed for it. Mm. Don't ask too many questions at the night don't circus. Don't ask too many questions. Um, but uh, yeah, so there is a lot going on at all times. It kind of alternates between like what's going on with Celia and Marco and then what's going on with Bailey. And then like, it just like every other chapter is kind of like alternates between what's happening, but it attempts to keep it linear, but it does tell you like what date it is, which is really helpful because it does jump around a lot too. Oh yeah. That's good. So like definitely 
if you read this one, like pay really close attention to the date. Um, I don't want to get too much further because I'm getting close to like, there's just so much that happens. I don't want to spoil anything because it's Mm -hmm. actually a really interesting book. Um, but basically like anything, things go awry (laughs) and, uh, magic can, uh, be a mess. Yeah. So what'd you say? Um, how many tents out of five available tents would you rate? I was thinking that too, because I was like, there's definitely a circus tent emoji. Um, I would say four okay. only because it is a lot to keep track of. So I mm. think that was another reason why it was easier for me to do it in audiobook form because there was so much happening. That was going to be my next question is since you read part, you read, read part of it and you listened, what one do you think would be better? I enjoyed the audiobook version better. Okay. I yeah, I just like I said, there's just so much going on. I felt like it was easier to keep track of it when I was like listening to it. I was able mm-hmm. to like track it better. Where like when I was reading it, I kept being like, wait, what year did they say this was? Like <laughs> Yeah, I'm really bad when I'm reading and they were like, Tuesday, March third. And they gave you a year. Like for the years, I would literally skip over all of those and then I'm like turning back, being like what is going on or when they change the character and you don't catch that you're on a new character and I'm just like I don't know what's happening anymore so yeah so I definitely think it was easier to consume via audiobook but okay. uh, yeah no I, I really enjoyed it like I already told you that there's a lot going on and explained some of it but there's still just so much more happening like it, there's like circus followers and there's a weird oh. clock and there's just there's a lot happening yeah I think that one I I think when it first came out, I may have added it to my list and I just haven't looked at it. Maybe I'll have to go back to it one of these days when I finally have free time. July. I get my life back in July. Yay. It's written on my calendar. I'm counting down the days. I'm going to make a little paper chain and everything, but. I'll throw you a party. Oh my gosh, we should. Heck yeah. It'll be a lake party because it's July. a lot to celebrate this summer, I'm sure. Oh yeah. It's going to be great. Okay. It's going to be a good summer. All right. I'm excited. What you got. Okay. So I asked my friend Libby, shout out to her, because when I asked, I also specifically asked for a shorter book because I knew I was going to be tight on time and I didn't want her to pick some amazing 500 page book. And then I'm just crying. So on the first two, (laughs) she gave me page numbers. So she's awesome. So the first one is she said it was 337 pages, but she finished it on a weekend day. Because apparently it's very generously spaced. So this one is two timelines within the same family that follow the cultural difficulty in moving from Palestine to Brooklyn. It's so well written and some unexpected plot twists. Hmm. And then the second one, also the first two she owned and offered to let me borrow. So because she gave me three and the third one she didn't own. So overachiever. I don't know. Right. I think I asked. How many did I? What did I ask? Her? I love it. Let's see. Oh, I did say pick two to three books and you know okay she went ahead she gave me three so okay so the second one is 320 pages also big text and really spaced out so this one follows one wife from a modern not necessarily religious uh polygamous family but none of the wives know anything about the other the main character starts looking into the other wives and shit gets crazy love it And then the third one is the one that she didn't own, so she didn't have a page count. But this one was a black young woman trying to figure out her life as a nanny for a well-off white couple. Race and privilege come into play a ton. She also dates a guy that challenges these things. Hmm. So I picked the second one, which is The Wives by Taryn Fisher. And what's actually really funny about this is when we come up on our birthday episode where we were picking a book for each other, this was Mm -hmm. on my list of a book that I was going to pick for you. So I'm not picking it for you because I already read it. See how it is. Yeah. So this one, it was super good. Like it is, you know how, I mean, there's like a lot of kind of like random, more modern day thrillers where it's literally the last like 20 pages, everything comes together. Course. This was one of those ones where you're like, what the actual hell is like, going on? What is on? happening? Um, it's also set, the main character lives in Seattle, which I thought was fun, except, and also, I'm just going to side note, tangent, super fast. The author lives in Seattle. She calls I-5, five. Do you you I- actually live basically in Seattle. Do you call I-5, five? Let's call I-5. 
that's okay. Yeah. I was like, I have lived on the I-5 corridor my entire life. I've never heard it just called five. I, yeah. And people who come from the East Coast come over, they like to call it the five. I've also that. unacceptable. I've heard-, I've heard that one. But my, I think my biggest one is multiple times. She'll talk about how she jumped on five to head down to Portland. And I'm like, honey, you. I mean, I, I understood what she's saying. I know but- exactly what she means. Yeah. But I'm like, you literally say in your spiel that you live in Seattle. You know, it's called I-5. Anyway. No one says that. Box about random things. Okay. So this book is I'm trying to figure out how, okay. So it's one where I need to figure out how, if I want to like give away the big ending twist or not. And I guess I'll, we can decide as we get closer what we want to do. Um, but one little twist that I think I am going to, nope, I'm not going to do it. Okay. So until, <laughs> I know I should have planned out ahead. Probably for the first two-thirds of the book, you never actually learn the main character's name. It's never said. So it's basically, it's about this woman. She lives in Seattle, and she is some kind of, I think she's an ER nurse or maybe an ICU nurse. I know she's a nurse in um, one of the more high-paced wings. She's not just like a, I know she's not like a surgical nurse or anything like that. So she's either ER or the ICU. and her husband is named Seth. And when she first met him, she was a nursing student and she was like in a coffee shop this one night studying for like one of her finals. And he just like sat down next to her and was like, oh, you're a nursing student. And she was just like, she said something about how like he was obviously like way too attractive to ever talk to her. But then he spent the entire night quizzing her for her final. And so hmm. then they went out on like a second date and all these things. And I think it was on like the third date. He was like, so I have a wife. I'm married. I was going to say this man is very suspicious. Yeah. But apparently his first wife that he was already married to uh, didn't want children. Like she's like super high powered lawyer type person uh, doesn't want kids. And so, but they still super love each other and they want to stay together and so they mm-hmm. have agreed to bring on that he could get married. And so he officially divorces her and he's going to mm-hmm. marry and he can marry and have a ch- child. That's and weird. so at first she's like, yeah, no, you're a fucking creep. Go away. Not being a part of your weirdness, but then cannot stop thinking about him because he's super charismatic and he's beautiful. And he like, actually like when he asks questions, actually cares about her answers and all this shit. She's also like, 22 or 23 or something at this point too so she's like fairly young and he's probably like i can't remember exactly i think he's like four or five years older or something like that so he's like so she either he calls her she calls him i can't remember what way it goes but basically they get back together and she's like okay yeah that's fine uh but he's like yeah no you can't ever know anything about her like i'm not gonna tell you her name um and so uh they yeah so they get married and then everything is great for like the first year they get pregnant and so the book kind of jumps around a little timeline wise Mm -hmm. i'm gonna actually try to follow real timeline on this one a little bit since my love letter episode i jumped everywhere i'm trying harder it's challenging it is because i'm like i don't how exactly did everything work in the book um but yeah so they get pregnant and then she ends up losing the baby like Yeah, somewhere in, like, month five-ish, maybe. Like, kind of, like, later on. Like, it's definitely not, like, in the, not, like, week 20 or anything like that. You should definitely add a miscarriage trigger warning. Oh, yeah, definitely. I probably should have said that before I said that a little bit, huh? It's okay. Just remember. And then yeah, I'll, yeah, I will add the that. time. Yeah. I appreciate the reminder. Thank you. Um, yeah, so she ends up losing the baby. And then, um, and unfortunately, it's, like so bad that she has to have an emergency hysterectomy so now she can never oh. have children again and she's Shit. like young she's like mid mid to late 20s at this point that's horrible which is like really young for somebody who wants to have kids to have to have this done mm-hmm. and in like a like she literally i think it was like a couple of hours from when she started the pain so when they were like you either do this or you die so like she doesn't get to like actually process any of this and then she refuses to talk about it like with anybody like she won't talk about it with her mom uh she doesn't talk about it with her dad but that's because she always says that her dad is like the he's like the stereotypical strong like 
factory worker guy who we don't talk about our feelings. Mm-hmm. We just suck it up buttercup. Uh, you kind of yeah. learn later on that he's like not like he's a little bit that way, but he's not totally that way. She just kind of projects that on him. Um, and it's more so cause like, um, like he doesn't know in his own kitchen where the can opener is, which that one does annoy me, but it is an older person thing oh. like could, or it can be right. Where the wife has done everything. She cooks everything. And so, but he, so he doesn't know where the can opener is. Um, but yeah, so that happens. And so then, but she's still super in love with Seth, all these things. And so then she agrees. He still is like, I love you so much. And I love my first wife so much. Um, but he's like, I, I need a kid of my own. And cause she's like, well, adoption. And he's like, no, I need a child of my own flesh and blood. Like it has to be these things. And oh my so, God. Why are men like this? Seriously. And so he convinces her to let him go get a third wife. Oh my God. It's not like a harem dude. It's not yeah. okay. And he also grew up apparently in a polygamous family in Utah, but in the more standard one that you like see on the, I guess, to be perfectly honest, the only polygamy type family I know is that one from TV who had to move to Las Vegas after they became on TV. But yeah, so like he kind of grew up in more of that stereotypical one where like all the families are together and like all the wives are raising all the kids together. And he was like, I don't want that at all. But now apparently like one woman won't satisfy him enough. Clearly. And so the other two wives live in Portland and she lives in Seattle. And so he only comes up on Thursday. And so he references the other wives by the day of the week. So um, the the first wife is Tuesday. And then the new wife is Monday and she's Thursday. Because Wednesday is a travel day. Mm. Wednesday and Friday are basically travel days. And then um, they kind of share. There's like one day in the week that they get to share an extra day or whatever. Like... But so basically he literally shows up Thursday after work. She like all, and she always makes him a super nice meal and everything like that. He shows up. So he shows up Thursday at like six and he leaves Friday morning by eight. Oh my God. Could you imagine having that kind of relationship? Nope. Where you see your spouse for 12 hours and most of it's sleeping. Exactly. And, like, at some point, she brings up that they had talked about her moving down to Portland, since that's where the other two wives are, and that's where his main business is. Like, he, so he's in a construction business, and um, he had, so he has an office in Portland and Seattle, but she doesn't want to move to Portland because, and I think Mm -hmm. I quote, okay, I'm going to misquote it because I'm not going to find the page, Um, but Portland is a sadder Seattle, which, having grown up in Vancouver, Washington, which is... People like to call it a suburb of Portland, which I will fight because I hate Portland, but I hate Seattle equally. So that's fine with me. So I feel like, like they're pretty, they're pretty even. Yeah. I, I get what she means. Like they're different, but they're also both trash in my opinion. But if you love them, more power to you. Either way. So she basically just refuses to move down to Portland with him. Um, but then she talks about how like she is the unknown wife so like everybody knows the first wife they like she's the the first wife is the one that his business partner knows and is the first and like so she doesn't get to go out in public like they don't go out on dates in public they don't get to hold hands in public like everything Mm -hmm. they do is in her little condo and oh wow yeah and then you learn kind of later on that she has a really good trust fund from her parents so like she has like a good amount of money which i start to wonder like did he pick her? Did he somehow like know that he had this mm-hmm. money? It's just like kind of starts making you question Getching. some things. Yeah. So she also has a an older sister. And the older sister was a complete fuck up, like all growing up, like did drugs, went out and got partied, all this stuff. But then finally like turned her life around in her like early twenties, like married a really great guy, and like they make a lot of money and they have all these kids. So now like she gets to be the shitty sibling, even though she spent like her whole life, her whole childhood being the good one. So she has like problems mm-hmm. with that. She has a lot of, she needs to go to therapy. She's got a lot of problems. Like, and you figure this out we all? real or real, real early on the things that she does. Anyways, randomly he, so like he'll come on like Thursday 
Um, and she likes to like ask questions about the other ones. So she'll be like, Tuesday, who is the first wife, like never ever cooks. Her idea of like dinner is ordering pizza or Chinese. And then the main character gal, um, who, okay, I'm going to spoil this part. It literally took, takes until like two thirds of the book. So I'm really sorry if you want to not hear this part, skip it really quick. Her real name is Thursday and he shows up on Thursday. It's weird. It, yeah, it's really. Her uh, real name is Thursday. Her parents named her Thursday. That's ridiculous. Why? I, at least go with Wednesday. Yeah. Like Wednesday Adams. I do yes. think I've actually heard of some, maybe it wasn't a TV show that somebody else is named Thursday. It's like a certain, I think it was a TV show. I heard that too. So yeah, her name is Thursday and he shows up on Thursday. So that's kind of confusing. But so Thursday asks, well, is always asking about the other ones. And so Monday, who is the new wife, she gets pregnant and so she's always asking about them and like oh is it a boy or a girl or do you like what are you gonna name it all these questions and stuff and so thursday is supposed to this is supposed to be the year that she gets like the week vacation with seth um sorry you just hit my microphone there yeah so this is the year she's supposed to get her week vacation with seth uh and at one point he he ends up like telling her that he has to cancel that because Monday is pregnant and he can't take oh, like, no. he can't take the week vacation and then take all this, which does make sense because like the time the vacation they wanted to take it was at like really close to when Monday is supposed to give birth. And so and Monday's the third wife, right? Yeah. Yeah, Monday's the third wife, the new one. And she's like Right, right. She's like twenty two and blonde and beautiful and does yoga and stuff like that. Classic. So, yeah. Um, and so then randomly, uh, Thursday for some reason is like, oh yeah, that's the other one is that Seth doesn't drink for religious reasons, except when he's with Thursday, the main character. And Hmm. so she like broke him of that. And she's like proud of the fact that he drinks with her, which is just odd. I don't know. Um, but so then she is like for some reason i don't know if he's she's doing his laundry or he she just reaches into one of his pockets then in his clothes that are hanging up and she finds this doctor bill for this woman named hannah and she's like oh shit this must be monday because monday had just gone to the doctor like the for like an ultrasound or something and so she starts doing all this research on who monday yeah, is. I would and so she's and she's not supposed to know this person's name or anything about her right and so now all of a sudden now she has a name. She finds her on Facebook. She figures all this stuff out. She ends up driving down to Portland and goes to this woman's house because somehow she found <gasps> it, which is actually not that hard to find people's it's homes. Creepy. Oh, it's a very it's so creepy. creepy to do it. Yeah. Like, it's it's not really, that hard. Yeah. No, you can literally look it up on the assessor's office. If you're a Public stalker record. and you learn this from this podcast, we claim no responsibility. Don't do it. But it's really they're easy to do, do it anyway. Oh, yeah. They're already, they already know before me, so... <laughs> um yeah so she literally drives down to portland like on a whim like gets off work has like three days before she's supposed to go back or something or maybe four because like she's a nurse i can't remember her schedule and she's like st- like looking at this woman's house she's like staring outside of it and this woman is like oh yeah my husband's a contractor he did it do you want to come see it and just like lets a stranger into her home like well no are you asking to be murdered are you kid? so that one already annoyed me I was like, people in Portland aren't that nice. I'm sorry. Granted, she lives in a suburb, but no, I don't believe it Still, at all. Not buying it. Yeah. So she like gets this whole tour of the house and they kind of become friends. And then she sees a bruise on this woman's arm and it looks like fingers. And so now Thursday is like, well, shit, like, is my husband like, he's never hit me, but did he hit her? And like, so she's like trying to ask these questions or at first she doesn't like ask anything about it um but so they go and they get each other's numbers and hannah's like oh my gosh like next time you're in portland like we should totally get together because finally thursday is like no i don't live here but like me and my husband are like thinking about like moving down here and i'm just kind of like scoping stuff out da, 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 da. Okay. and so of course hannah's like oh my god yeah let's be best friends um because it kind of seems like hannah doesn't have a whole lot of friends which mm. Because, like, Thursday tells, like, literally nobody in Thursday's life knows that she's in this polygamous relationship. Like, no one knows. They all think that her it's husband. It's real secret. Yeah. Um, what she tell? like, the only ones, I think, so there's her parents 
no, I guess her sister and like her best friend and her best friend recently within like the last year moved to like Anacortes or some nonsense. So like moved like two, three hours away, basically. She's just like not right down the street basically anymore. Right. Um, but so all that she tells them is that he works a whole bunch and he works down in Portland and her parents are always like, and of course, and her mom being like the do-gooder wife is like, oh, it's because the sex isn't good enough or you're just oh not a good God. enough wife. That's why he doesn't want to move his business up here. And you're like, okay, mom, we don't tell our children that. That's fucked Mind up. Mind your own business. Yeah. Um, so, of course, like she feels like terrible about that and stuff. Um, but so then, so she basically becomes like obsessed with the fact that like Hannah, because I think at one point she does finally ask Hannah about uh the bruises. Oh, good. Um, and Hannah's like, "Oh yeah, no, I tripped and my I bruise easily." Da 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 da. Like you do. Yeah. So she of course like becomes obsessed with everything, and then she starts questioning everything about her relationship with Seth and all this stuff. Um, and then. Randomly, all of a sudden, Seth is, like, there on a Thursday. Oh, yeah, because that was part of it, is that she just, like, ups and stops making, because she literally would, like, do her hair, do her makeup, get in the cute, like, little laundry outfits for when he would come on Thursdays and make him these big dinners. So she stops doing that. Good. Stops making him the big meals. Like, literally, at one point, she's sitting on, like, a Thursday when he shows up, sitting there in her sweats. Her hair's up in a messy bun. She has a glass of wine. And a bottle of wine, and she's eating top ramen on the couch. Mm-hmm. And he like walks in, and she's like, and she does like the uh, noodle hanging from her mouth, like slurp, like to like suck it in. And she's like, "Hey, um, I got beef and chicken. You want me to make you one?" <laughs> and he's like, "Nah, it's it's cool." Like, oh, so she's just like gonna stop doing all the fancy stuff to see if his like real self comes out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like you can still- be put together for twelve hours. Yeah, it's super easy, right? And then she even super said easy. that, like, he'll fall asleep in bed and she stays awake the entire time. Because, mm-hmm. like, that's the only time she gets with him and he's literally sleeping. Um, so, yeah, so she kind of just, like, stops doing that. And she, and so randomly at one point, he ends up saying Monday's name, like, calls her Hannah. And she's like, mm. oh, you've never said her name before. And he's like, haven't I? And she's like, no. He's like, oh, yeah, well, her name's Hannah. And so you're like, and at first you're like oh like maybe he is actually being like more open with things like this is gonna be a good story it's gonna turn around yeah no it doesn't yeah no things do things do not um and so she uh so kind of like this side story that's been going on at this whole time is there's this other nurse that works with her in the er the ic or wherever it is she fucking hates this woman like this woman also uh had a miscarriage and so apparently thinks that they should be like best buddies because they or no maybe Mm. she didn't she um maybe she just has fertility issues i'm not positive but something similar yeah something similar and so she basically thinks like oh we should be best friends because we have this and thursday absolutely hates this woman granted this woman is also the person who calls her out for showing up like 10 minutes late five minutes late every shift annoying yeah which also if you're going to show up five minutes late every shift and it's affecting my work life yeah i might say something a bit snotty one day too Um, but so randomly at one point um thursday has basically just been getting hammered in her condo because she's like doing all of this research trying to figure everything out like what the heck's going on how is she gonna like help hannah because at this point that's her goal she's gonna save hannah um and then she Uh also wants to in like the back of her mind this random thing that keeps coming up is that if she can kind of like get rid of hannah or get rid of the first wife somehow then she'll get more time with seth wow so she still wants to be with him after all this weirdness oh yeah Uh uh-huh she's yeah like i said she 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 needs some help so she is hammered at home and she's like oh i need fresh air and she lives um like her she has a view of a park she could have a water view and she picked the park like literally had to fight to get the park view because she mm. likes to watch other people's lives. It's like, always pick the water view. That's prettier. But whatever. Yeah. And so she goes out into the this park. And there's, like, vendors. And apparently one of the vendors ha- is selling, like, hot toddies or something. Which I've 
never seen a one that will sell you a hot toddy and let you walk around downtown Seattle. No, that's not a thing, but that's fine. Yeah, Whatever. like she's literally at Pike Lake Mar- Market with an alcoholic hot beverage that people just let her walk away with. That, not yeah. a thing. It's going to suspend some belief. It's fine. Yeah, I was like, all right, moving along. Um, but so she okay. finally hears somebody yelling her name. And at this point, you still don't actually know what her name is. Um, and then it ends up being, the, and I think this woman's name is Lauren, I think. Um, but, and so it's this woman, um, and she was like, uh, and Thursday is just drunk enough that she was like, Hey, you want to like go to a bar, get a drink? So she takes her to the super seedy bar, um, which was like one of the only places she ever went out in public with Seth. And like, while she's like in there with Lauren, she's like, Oh, maybe the reason we only ever go here is because no one will ever recognize him and realize yeah. that like, he's not with his wife who was quote unquote the first wife. Um, and so then Lauren says this thing about how her entire, like, because she has on her logger at work um, all these pictures of her and her husband doing all these fun travels. Because since they can't have kids, they've, they've accepted Travel, that yeah. they don't, they're going to stop trying to have kids because they're just like, it's not worth it. Uh, and so they go on all these big travels. But turns nice. out all the travels are because her husband cheats on her. And to make up for it, he takes her on these Five exotic trips. trips every time. So she's like, okay. yeah, she's like, yeah, she's like, my entire life is a lie. Because, of course, at this point, they've been doing it. Te- they, I think they used to do, like, six tequila shots. And so they're doing drunk truth now. Oof. And so then Thursday is like, I'm in a polygamy marriage. Literally nobody knows. You're the first person I've ever told. And I think my husband is beating one of the other wives. And Lauren is like, oh. Could you imagine getting that information from somebody? Like, oh my god. Yeah, but she takes it in like total stride. Like she definitely like pauses to be like, what the actual fuck? And then she's like, okay. All right. Yeah. Okay. And you're just like, yeah, you're a good person. Like, fuck yeah. Wow. That's amazing. Yeah. So Thursday basically kind of starts spiraling even more in her like paranoia of like trying to figure out what the heck's going on. And Mm -hmm. so she finally figures out. Oh, because she's with Seth somehow on, they're like, he actually like, oh, it's, he takes her out. It's when he is going to tell her that he can't go on the vacation with her. And the first wife calls and it pops up on his phone as Regina. So that's how she learns that Regina is the first wife. wife number one. Because she was calling about how like their dog was super sick and didn't want to take the medicine and stuff. So now she has a name for the first wife. So then she starts delving in to figure out who the first mm-hmm. wife and like everything that's going on and all this stuff. And then she ends up like calling the uh, first wife Regina's like office, the lawyer's office and like pretending to be somebody else to get an appointment because she wants to ask questions and basically be like, oh, does, like, he hit you too? And, like, what's going on? Da, 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 da. Like, all these things. And then she f- ends up finding, at some point, she finds Regina on an online dating site. And so oh. she makes this entire profile about this guy named Will to, like, trick and, like, basically trick Regina and is, like, yeah, and because she's like, oh, I'm going to go to Seth with this information and be like, she's been cheating on you this whole time and then get rid of wife one so she can spend more time with him. Oh, jeez. And then, but then across at some point uh, Thursday, as Will asks Regina about wanting kids, um, and Regina's like, yeah, no, I definitely want children. And Thursday's like, what? No, like, why, why would she lie to Will? That's so weird. Like, why would she lie about something like that? Like, I clearly, like, Seth says she doesn't want kids. She That's doesn't so get odd. it. And so she, uh, at some point, she, like, goes back down to Hannah at some point again. And she's out at, like, they go to dinner. And she goes to go to the bathroom. And she comes back. And Hannah's gone. Like, she just fled. Um, and, okay, so I'm, hmm. Should I totally spoil the book or should I? I guess for the podcast sake, maybe not, but I'm like, I need to know. So you're going to have to tell me. Okay. I'm just going to add just a tiny little bit more thing that happens is that, and I'm not going to say how, but she ends up in this like a uh, psych on like a psych hold. Oh yeah. And so she has to like kind of start, she actually kind of has to start dealing with all of her things that are going on. And that's when, mm-hmm. so if you're going to read this book, that's when things start getting crazy and things kind of start coming together and you're just like i'm ready oh my gosh yeah yeah i am not going to ruin anything else okay because 
Yeah. I would also give this uh, five wives out of five. <laughs> five out of five wives. Five out of five wives. Because I mean, was, I do too, and I just heard the synopsis. Yeah, it was crazy. I mean, like Libby said, shit gets crazy. Like, you're, like, following Real. her, and... And of course, like, and it's being told from this, you get, you only get one person's perspective the entire time. And then when things wrap up, you're just like, oh, like what? No, like there were, I did not see any of it coming. Like, and I pride myself on being like a pretty good guesser. Literally didn't see any of it coming. Dang. I'm so ready. The things that I thought were going to happen didn't happen. Yeah. Yeah. It was. Mm, Now I'm super intrigued. Yeah, see? So it would have been really good if I had picked it for the birthday read for our birthday episode, but... You're right. This is up my alley. That's okay. It's more fun when you read it to me. Yeah. (laughs) Awesome. Well, um, hopefully some of you guys read that, because, I mean, I'm just going to make Krista tell me the rest here in just a second, Mm because I'm on the edge of my freaking seat over here. Yeah, she can have the spoils. You guys don't get them this time. Sorry. Um, but next time, so our next episode is going to be in March. Mm-hmm, middle of March. So we're getting, yep. So we're getting close to St. Patrick's Day. So we decided that we would pick Irish authors, but ones who have books with a movie adaptation. And then the one additional one, this is what made it hard for me, is that we're picking books that are Irish authors set in Ireland. Mm-hmm. with movie adaptations because there was one that i really wanted that's an irish author but the book is set in america oh man i was so upset cause i've read the book uh, before and it's so good but that's okay it's still gonna be great it's okay we really challenged ourselves to find something different and unique and fun and we wanted to do like book versus movie for a while and so we just thought we'd yeah. throw in the irish thing in there because of saint patrick's day coming up yeah so exactly all right well something to look forward to in two weeks yeah uh, you can find us on the internet at isn'tpastyourbedtime.com. We have all of our past episodes, links to the books, so that way you guys don't have to, like, if you decide you really like one, you can just go right there. You don't have to re-listen and Google. You're welcome. Uh, <laughs> we are on Instagram at isn'tpastyourbedtime, Twitter, IIPYB underscore pod. Mm-hmm and rate review subscribe all those fun things and yeah we will talk at all of you in a fortnight when we do books set in ireland that got turned into movies very excited about it gonna get started definitely gonna have to find a shorter name for it though because that's we're gonna we'll come up with something catchy okay it doesn't really roll off the tongue no it doesn't it's it's a big mouthful (laughs) all right all right Night, everyone. Bye. Bye.